0: Welcome to another episode of the Sporting Backbone podcast. I'm your host, Will Pye, joined by Keen Ward, John Witham, and Dan Stacey. Our guest today is Alex Billions, who has worked for the World Snooker Tour for around 18 months as a digital media officer. He's worked on three Triple Crown events in snooker and as well as across Europe in various competitions. Um, he is also formerly of Chelten- Cheltenham Town FC. As a videographer, Alex, how you doing? Very well. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad. Oh, well, good. Thank you. How
1: are you? I'm all good. Yeah. Happy.
2: be <laughs> on board. Happy to be here.
0: <laughs> well, you're obviously currently on the World Snooker Tour right now. Yeah. How are you finding it? Obviously, it's a bit intense.
1: It's great at the moment. Um, in Sheffield, World Championships, best time of year. It's like Christmas for snooker fans. Um, for us, it's very busy. It's as busy as it gets. 17-day marathon and that's not including the qualifying the 11 days of qualifying we've done before as well so um yeah. definitely very intense stuff but um yeah it's the world's isn't it it's brilliant it's the pinnacle of the sport it's an honor to be at the crucible reporting on it you know in, in sort of my dream job so it's been great
0: yeah i've been i've been looking a couple times today i mean at least on the bbc sport app and it has at least every time i've clicked on it, it has a around fifteen thousand people on it so obviously it's get obviously it's massive it's getting a lot of traction um how do you feel doing media for something which is that big at least in the UK anyway
1: yeah it's 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 obviously um it's a sport that's almost it holds like a warm place in the heart of a lot of Brits particularly older Brits it was obviously very important to a lot of people during during the 1980s that was when it was at its peak even the world championship final last year had 5 million viewers on BBC so um you know really good numbers and obviously this particular world championships has been pretty uh pretty newsworthy for for maybe Hmm. not all the right reasons uh, yeah Yeah. but um (laughs) you know it's uh it's great to see snooker in at the forefront of people's minds again it's great um because it's a sport that you know there's been a lot of discussion about you know is it in a bad place is it declining do i think it is absolutely not i actually think it's growing um and um you know, I think that's clear to see from how popular these world championships have been so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could we could talk about that controversy, maybe off the bat, to be fair. um, (laughs) Obviously, you're putting this content content out for a lot of people. I, I wouldn't call it a scandal, but um, controversy like that. How do you deal with that as a media officer who needs to put coverage out of the sport? How do you deal with? something that you're not expecting, at least, in that.
1: Yeah, not expecting is a um, good, good word. <laughs> it. Besides, it was a whole, the, whole, the whole night was really odd. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, a social team, we're in the privileged position of we don't really have to deal with much. We just kind mm. of get fed information, and then our job is to communicate that to fans because ultimately there's half a Crucible theatre that are paid to watch a match paid a lot of money to watch a match, saved a lot of money to watch a match that they now can't watch because of something out of their control, out of our control. The least we can do for them is communicate the information as clearly and as quickly as possible. So our role really wasn't to jump off the back of what happened and try and gain interaction because that's not our place as a official governing body. Um, we're, we're technically not the governing body, that's the WPBSA, but um, you know, as, as, the, as the organizer of the tour itself, it's not our place to jump off the back of that and try and get interactions The job is simply to make sure the fans know what's going on. You know, that is our job is to communicate to them. It's a communications department and that's what we do. So it was all about um, going to the tournament director, Mike Ganley, um, finding out um, when play would be restarted, um, if play was going to be restarted, how we would deal with the situation and then tweeting that as quickly as possible. And I think we did quite well because you, you get a lot of those situations where fans are left in the dark about a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of the time it's out of the the media team's control. You know, if they don't know any information, then they can't feed any information. But um, I felt, considering the situation was so unexpected as well, that we dealt with it pretty quickly and pretty efficiently. And uh, the fans on the other side of the arena got to watch the other game because, thankfully, that didn't have to be suspended. And then we managed to uh, rearrange the match for the Thursday morning.
0: Yeah, the referee stopped the other protester. Yeah,
1: Olivier, yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty impressive to be fair. Yeah, um,
1: he's, he's, he's a good guy. Olivier he refereed the last World Final. He's, during, uh, during COVID, he's worked as a nurse during the pandemic. So he's um, been absolutely brilliant and uh, he's just a, he's just a good guy.
2: I know, did, did you get, get to, any like... backlash on
1: that? Did we get any backlash?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think the only, the only things that we really spoke about were sort of, you know, security, you know, um, could they have stopped that guy getting on the table? I have a lot of sympathy with the security of the event. I think they do a great job. It's easy to sneak a bag of orange powder into absolutely anything. You know, we see it at football stadiums all the time. Pyrotechnics aren't allowed. Pirate we see it all the time. People still get that stuff into ground. So, um, it's very easy to to, especially when there's a lot of people. You know, coming into a venue. You know, we're sold out every night at the Crucible. So it's um, it's easy to, to slip. You know, to slip that sort of stuff by, and it looks terrible when something actually happens. And it's you know it's a question of safety for the players and for the fans. Um, you know, ultimately it's their it's their job to stop this sort of stuff. But I have great sympathy with them because I felt they did dealt with the situation um really well and as best they could, considering it was so unexpected.
2: As someone who works in a, like content creation with the incident with, like Rob Walker on tee on Hoovering Up and stuff like yeah. that. How difficult is it then to not take advantage of that? Because obviously, I, I know I sent you that image with, I think, just literally the goat emoji. Yeah. Because um, I thought it was hilarious. yes the goat, yeah. Um, how difficult is it then from your position to not use that kind of image to to kind of get growing social numbers and that kind of thing?
1: You just, you just have to know your responsibilities, I think. Um, I'm in a very privileged position where I am, that I get to go to all these snooker tournaments and travel around the world. But I'm not a, I'm not an influencer, I'm not a content creator, I'm representing a company that organizes these events, our job's not to post a video of a, of a protester protesting, using his right to protest, and protesting what he feels is right, um our job isn't to comment on that, our job is simply to communicate to fans what's going on, because we're the body that snooker fans go to to find out what's going on, so... That's what we need to do. And, you know, that's what we do at every tournament. You know, we update scores. We, um, you know, we like I said, we update scores, do player interviews. We communicate stuff to fans, content that they can't not own. They can't like, you know, it's not exclusive stuff like scores and stuff like that. But, you know, we want to be the body where the people go to to find that information out. So stuff like that, um, considering more often than not, things like, you know, when when's play going to restart? Sometimes we're the only people that know that information. You have to know your responsibilities. Our job on that night wasn't to try and get as many retweets and likes as possible off a protest or jumping on a snooker table. It was for fans to, to know when play was going to restart and whether or not their tickets would be valid for Thursday and things like that. So um, yeah, you just have to know your responsibilities going in. Obviously, I didn't go into the Crucible this year preparing for <laughs> something like that to happen, but <laughs> yeah. I went in knowing that you know, we, we have a job to do we know what our responsibilities are. We know our priorities: the fans and the players. You got to, you got to stick to
0: that. Dealing with the backlash and the hate. Um, obviously you're a media officer, so you go in. You're you're kind of an in between between the fans and the information. Um, do you ever feel that does does the hate or the backlash ever get to you? What how how do you deal with that? Obviously you said you have to know your responsibilities, but do you just disassociate yourself or?
1: Um, no, I think I think um you have to use a lot of it as feedback. Um and learn yeah. from it. You know, if if um if the company made a decision that fans didn't agree with, you know, we're we're kind of the messengers for that decision that's been made, right? So, you know, if, if someone criticized that, it's not a criticism of me as a you know, I'm just the social media guy, you know what I mean? Um but it's my job to relay that feedback onto our board and our marketing team, our events team. Um, and so that's that's yeah, it's it's not I'm not in the position to take that sort of stuff personally, because that's not criticism towards me. If I make a mistake in terms of I've made a spelling mistake or I tweet Mm. something I shouldn't have, um, and people don't like it, then it's my job not to do that again. You know, if people want me to, you know, clip something up a different way or make a certain type of video, you know, stuff that's actually in my control, then I need to use it as feedback. Um, you know, it's, it's not my place to, sit there and go oh why why is that person said that because they're snooker fans you know that they're, the, they're the people that we make the content for you know i'm not making it for myself i'm making it for them so if they want to see a certain thing um and it's within our capacity to do that you know i, I won't sit around and sulk that someone's told me um that i've done something wrong or whatever you know it's about using yeah. the privileged yeah. position the power that i've got to to make that change so that they are then enjoying the content because my job is to make content that, that they enjoy um obviously any walk of life it's a shame if you work hard on something and people don't don't you know take to it but you kind of have to get on with it and work and use it as criticism constructive criticism to improve next time
0: has it ever happened for you where you've made by a spelling mistake or something quite little but it's been picked up on and so many times
1: (laughs) so many times. so many times
0: (sighs) how many comments are you finding just in the comment section
1: not many because i not, not like many because i I work out within 15 seconds that i've made <laughs> i've made the mistakes yeah, yeah. quickly go and delete the tweet or uh, remake the graphic or you know do whatever i need to do to to change that um so you don't actually sometimes you see comments oh, I, had a, I had a shocker on instagram during the last tournament where i've posted the wrong graphic but it was a scheduled post so i didn't realize until like three hours after the post had got out and the comments absolutely slated me and it's fine because i made a, i made a mistake it is what it is you kind of have to delete the post yeah make the new post get on with it and don't do it again and that's why you double and triple check anything but you know it it can be quite a daunting thing because you know we're we're a big organization there's a lot of eyes on us there's a lot of fans watching there's 200 million people in china that watch this sport you know there's a lot of people that that care about snooker um if you know it can be daunting to sit there and go well you know if i make an error a lot of people could get annoyed at that um but it's a very normal thing to make an error simple things like a spelling mistake yeah. or putting the wrong thing in a graphic or sometimes silly things you don't notice you know um you know if if you're going into a job if you get if you get a job like that and you go into it and you don't know like you sort of you worry that like you're going to make an error that offends people it's a very common thing to make things like spelling mistakes so it shouldn't it should never be a daunting thing for people you know it's all human at the end of the day you know a lot of people think that we are robots behind a screen that that run this account but we're all humans and um I think as long as you can remember that deep down within yourself then you'll get on just fine
2: did it get to you more at the start and you've had to learn that or did you know at the start that it was that kind of that kind of thing about it
1: yeah I think so yeah I, th- I think um initially it's like oh why they're saying that you know but um yeah I guess I've sort of programmed my my brain to, to get used to that stuff it, it, it happens it i've made countless spelling mistakes you know errors in graphics that doesn't mean i'm bad at my job it just means that i'm human and i make errors and no one's going to be 100 percent perfect especially um in an entry-level job which is what i'm in so um you know it's 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 gonna happen you're not gonna not make a mistake you're not gonna be perfect um prepare for it accordingly <laughs> really it's 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 a case of um you know if you make if you make an error it's 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 fine you know um you still earn the position you're in you should never feel badly it's it's very easy to sit there and go oh, i can't believe i've done that i do that and i do that loads but within like half an hour you forgot it's happened and you just get on me a day and it's it's fine um you know you pick yourself up quickly and um and yeah no you'd be absolutely fine you know it's if you, if you get into a position like this you know i worked very hard at uni and in other, in other roles and stuff to get to this position. And I'm very proud of myself that I got to this position. So if I let a couple of mistakes um, get to me, then, um, you know, I shouldn't do that, to be honest. You obviously
0: work on the WST TikTok, um, which has over 200K followers, etc. cetera. Um, do you feel any pressure when posting about the engagement, about the views? Because TikTok's obviously about the algorithm if you hit the algorithm you you can get millions of views you can get thousands of views but if you don't then views can plummet Do do you feel any pressure about hitting standards i guess
1: um it's a bit it's a bit of an unknown quantity tiktok because it's still very much in its infancy compared to twitter and facebook and other things um so you know going in when i first got the job we didn't we didn't have a tiktok um, oh really yeah so so it was wow. something i created in october 21 so that was a month after i joined and um you know i spoke to guys on the board about it i spoke to i had a media head of social media and we all collectively agreed that we didn't really know what this was <laughs> to be honest mm. but it was something that we needed to have because um you know short form's kind of the future isn't it uh, people's um attention spans digitally people want to watch shorter content now because they can watch more of it um in less time so um to grow snooker for younger people it was something it was a market that we had to crack and I think we did a pretty good job um all in all um snooker is you know it's a sport you sit in silence most of the people yeah. you're going to be older than you if you're our age they're going to be older than you um so it's hard to, it's hard to crack that younger fan base but it's also part of the job you kind of have to do it right because um if you can't get younger people involved then eventually um, that's not going to be good for your sport. So um, yeah, yeah, it's. I think uh, we've we've had some really good engagement over there. Um, it's a meme platform, really. TikTok, isn't it? So if you can understand the trends for snooker, it can look really weird because, um, there's a lot of tradition traditionalist snooker fans, rightfully so, who love the sport for what it is because it's a very classy sport. Um, they go out there in bow ties and waistcoats and. It's very distinguished, you know, I think that's the right word. Um, and so for, for, for us to be making TikToks, it's like, well, that's a completely different angle on it, right? But, you know, why can't it have that angle? Why why can't it be viewed in a different light? Um, it's the best of both worlds. People can see it as, um, you know, someone could play a really nice shot, could put some music on it, could perform well. Kids can look at it and go, oh, that's really cool. And then you can have maybe the older generation. Um Look at it as the sort of the classy sport it is, enjoy their 40 minute safety battles. You know, it's it's, it's for the best of both worlds. It caters for all audiences. And I think it's great that we were able to unlock that because I think it's a it's a brilliant sport. I think it's got a brilliant fan base. Um, and it's nice that we can unlock that for more people to see, I think.
0: Yeah, you're spreading it through the generations, I guess, is is the aim anyway. Um do you ever find between those generations I liken it, I mean it you I don't know if you know about, for example, YouTube boxing and normal mm-hmm. boxing. Yeah, you have your normal boxing fans who hate that YouTubers have gone into boxing, and then you have younger fans who are like, "Oh, this is pretty sick!" Like they're going into boxing, mm-hmm. they're bringing more fans, viewers, etc. Yeah. Um, have you ever had that like clash between traditionalist fans in snooker and the younger ones who you are trying to engage with TikToks with
1: short form content? Um. No, I don't think. I think because um, we'll post we'll post the TikToks on like Twitter sometimes, yeah. and occasionally you'll get people that go, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that's just part of marketing the platform, right, you you have to do that. You have to um, open it up to the other audiences. Um, so I, there there is definitely a difference in in the tastes of those people. But it is what it is. Like every football club, um, rugby team, cricket team, every sport, you know, it's going to have that. It's going to have people that don't take to it. It's going to have that do um i'd say there is definitely a massively different audience that view your content on twitter that do on tiktok um a lot of our tiktok comments are people that don't actually know what snooker is and they watch pool and they think it's pool but big um and you have to kind of explain yeah you have to kind of explain to them that's not what it is um, but that's 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 fine you know a lot our second biggest audience on tiktok is the united states which i think is great because snooker is you know in terms of the grand scale of the world um that's a country we'd love to 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 grow a market in everyone you know everyone like look at how well we've driven to survive and that's completely unlocked america um in america it was just nascar and indycar if even that um and now it's now it's formula one you know um and that's done massive massive things to them so it's it's a market we absolutely want to unlock if they just think it's pool well, obviously you want to explain to them that's not what it is and that's the purpose of the videos you get you're given the chance we have the audience now a lot of american fans that follow the account now we have the audience so now we need to utilize it and show them what our amazing little niche sport is um that it's it's, it's not pool um yeah, that, it's, yeah. that it's it's um a very very hard game that uh if you try to play it you will get instantly humbled as i have on many occasions um and you realize how good they are and they're, they're just amazing sports people and um yeah, no, I, th- I think it. I think it's awesome. Uh, yeah, like I say, there's there's definitely a different audience between the two. I'd say the, the the people that follow us on on sort of like Twitter and Facebook, they're very um hardcore snooker fans. You know, they they know their stuff. Whereas on TikTok, it's definitely opened up to a new audience. You can just see from the people that comment on the videos. But that is just great because then we have an opportunity to, um, even if they don't watch it on a regular basis, if by knowing what it is and you know having it in your mind and understanding the rules, um. You know, I I couldn't for the life of you, life of me, sorry, tell you like name like three baseball players for you, but I know how to play the game. Do you know what I mean? So it's like at yeah, least yeah, like, at least yeah, yeah. Whereas for a lot of people, they don't even know how to play snooker. So we have an opportunity for sure to.
0: They don't know the rules on the color of the balls, etc. Yeah, et
1: cetera. exactly. You know, it's the fact that it's a point system and it's completely different to pull in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, we we have the we have the opportunity now to to um, expand that knowledge for people. I think that's brilliant.
0: Earlier, you talked about. I mean, it seemed like you knew the referee like quite well. You talked about him doing nursing, etc. Hmm. Um, do you ever have have you met quite a lot of those sorts of people as in, uh, snooker players, etc. And have you actually got quite close to some of them?
1: Yeah, we're like a we're like a family on the snooker tour. I got told that the very first day I was in the building um that it's 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 like one it's like a big family because you spend so much time away from home on this tour um at events and you know this one's 17 days plus qualifying it's another 11 you're away for a month um we go away to you know germany turkey china thailand hong kong for a week two weeks It's it's some really long stints away from your family and away from home and it can be tough so you rely on the people around you right um but it's not just you going through that you know it's the referees it's the tournament directors it's the table fitters it's all of these kind of people and um so yeah, you get to know them. You get to know them really well, and they're all lovely people. That's the beautiful thing, thing about snooker is that, um, you know, it is an elite sport, and everybody's very normal. You know, you can, you know, we're watching the TV now. Kyron, Kyron Wilson's playing. You know, a few hours ago, I was chatting to him about football. You know, stuff like that. It's, yeah, yeah. They're just they're just normal guys. They're not intimidating. But relatable. Very yeah, relatable. They're, they're, yeah. Obviously, guys have a hell of a lot more money than me. But, um, but they're still, you know, they're, they still are normal guys. You know what I mean? Um, they're brilliant. And um, the sort of tournament directors and the events team and marketing people, you know, that I work with on a very regular basis um, are just are just brilliant. So, yeah, there's there's, there's no negative characters in this tour. Everyone's, everyone plays their part and uh, makes the experience great, great for us all.
2: Do you see it as part of your role then? Obviously, you mentioned Kyron. Oh, thank you. You mentioned Kyra, and obviously a few weeks ago. He, he's obviously got his issues off the off the table, I suppose. Do you mm-hmm. then see it as a in your, part of your role to share that story about what's going on with with him and obviously his issues with families and that kind of thing? Obviously, I can't remember what you said about if something had happened to his child and it or something like that had been diagnosed with something. How, how, is it your part in your job to tell that story in theory? Uh, if if he wants us to, yeah.
1: So his 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 kid Bailey's had a few health scares for context. For those of you who don't know. Um, and during the tour championship, which we had in Hull um, at, the end of, at the end of March, he did an interview with ITV, and he mentioned this in the interview. Because he'd mentioned it in an interview, we asked, you know, can we can we talk about it? Um, and that night we had an interview where we he he'd won a match, and his two kids came in on the interview, and we spoke about it, and it was it was a wonderful thing, and it unlocked his unlocked his character really, unlocked his personality because, you know, y- you get a really good insight of what these guys are like because you get the opportunity to see them without camera in their face and out of the spotlight so a lot of people change their character um you know these guys are media trained they know how to talk to cameras some of them can give very bog standard basic answers because that's what they've been trained to do cliche very cliche yeah yeah, and then then you get a camera off them and they're like the funniest guy you've ever met you know what i mean so (laughs) um so you know it's, it's awesome to have those opportunities to be able to unlock people's characters we have the opportunity to do that. We're in a position where we can do that. But it's obviously a sensitive topic because it's about his kid. So, you know, as long as he's comfortable with that, his kids were comfortable with being in the interview and we got a really good bit of content out of it. And I think as a as a team effort, it was great. So, you know, I think when when we've got this position to be able to tell that story, you know, I think it benefited everybody really. So we, we felt inclined to do that for sure. I agree.
2: You've talked you about how... John. all right do you think it benefits snooker as a smaller sport to be able to tell those family stories
1: yeah i think so yeah um because you know football players like they're not really accessible do you know what i mean so you don't you don't see a lot of personal stuff from them unless they decide to give big in in in-depth long feature articles to the athletic you know unless you see that um they're they're not really accessible you don't really know a lot about them where snooker players are some of the most open, sometimes too open, um, but some of the most open people I've ever come across in my life. Um, and that has its major benefits. And that was one of them for sure, um, because you realize that they're just human. They're just, they're just normal people that play in individual sports. So all eyes on them, not on a team, on them. Um, it can be a vulnerable position, you know? Um, but, you know, they, they they come across just so great, I think. And um, Yeah. For sure, I think um stuff like that is is brilliant to be able to do. Um, there are some stories that stories like that sort of they they go within the snooker sphere. They don't really expand out of it. Um, but you know, for for snooker fans who are perhaps getting into the sport and they don't know too much about these players, um, it's a really good sort of opportunity for them to learn more about their sort of personality and what they like off the table.
3: What's the difference? Oops, sorry, uh, go. On. I was going to say, what's the difference between working uh, in the world of snooker and obviously your previous job at Cheltenham? Because as you just mentioned there, the, the difference between footballers pardon me, footballers and snooker players, uh, one is very accessible and the other sort of aren't. Um, would you say that that time at Cheltenham sort of hammered that home for you? Did you find it a lot harder to get through to people there than you do in this current job?
1: Well, I actually had a weird year at Cheltenham because we didn't have fans for the entire season other right. than two games because of COVID. So um, the entire role was kind of different to what it would be like today. So we couldn't like go to the training ground at all. We, could, we couldn't do as much with the players we wanted. Couldn't go on the pitch and get after game celebrations and we couldn't film the fans. So um, the whole experience was a bit odd. So it's kind of it's not too representative of what it would actually be like to work in football. But what I will say is that when we did get to talk to the players at Cheltenham, they were in League Two at the time. They're in League One now. Can't imagine it'll be any different. They were all so lovely and down to earth. Um, whether that's because you're a club employee, I don't know. But um, they seemed genuinely nice and humble, and um, you know, well aware of the fact that they're in League Two. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Um, yeah. you know they're not they're not Premier League footballers. But even you know, even Premier League footballers should should still um set an example and and be nice and pretty normal. I'm sure they are. I've never worked for a Premier League club, so I couldn't tell you, but um more often than not you'll you'll hear people tell you that that the Premier League footballers are actually nice. It's just similar to snooking away, just because you can only get so much of them, so much out of them when they're on camera because they're media trained. Um but it's a completely different experience off camera. So but at Cheltenham they were they 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 were brilliant. Um you know it was it was great to be able to talk to them considering human contact at the time was so limited um nice. to be able to do interviews in the stadium and even though it was all socially distanced you know they, um, I'm sure it wouldn't be any different to to what it's like now just well definitely would be different to what it's like now but um in terms of their personalities and how they are um yeah they're just perfectly normal guys and thought it was brilliant
0: was that the year that uh, Cheltenham won League Two or got promoted from League L- yeah, Two? Yeah, League Two
1: title team. winners. Um, uh, I drank Stoford Press out of the League Two trophy at the after party, <laughs> um, which perhaps wasn't very COVID friendly, but we don't yeah. talk about it. Um, and um, they played Man City in the FA Cup as well. They won a, won a pretty, pretty, pretty cool run in the FA Cup. So, all, all in all, pretty, pretty good experience um, for for a COVID year for sure.
0: Yeah, how can you describe that experience being? At your placement year at uni, and you're you're witnessing, I mean, Man City playing. You're you're go you're you're winning a league with a team. How can you ex- describe that as an experience? Uh,
1: it was just sheer luck, really. They could have got relegated that year, you know. Um, anything could have happened, um, but yeah, we we definitely um, got really lucky with the the way everything went. Um, league champions, league two champions, and um, playing Man City in the FA Cup is all right, isn't it? Um, you know, it was it was an amazing experience because, you know, I I could do this for another thirty years and not have a better season than that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so it's as a uni student, it's just like it's, um, what an unbelievable. And, and it shows the importance of going to uni. I think because the the links that these unis have to professional football clubs, and you know papers and you know the BBC and other organisations. Doing a sports journalism degree at uni is just the best decision I ever made um, because it, it, you know, it handed me these opportunities to to be able to go and live my dreams by working for football clubs in immediate capacity, you know. So, yeah, what an, what an unbelievable experience um, to do that so so young. Um, you know, I, I, might, I might never, you never know, I might never have a better season than that. Um, and it was, it was just absolutely unbelievable. I felt guilt in a way, though, because... No no one was in to see it. No, I'm not a Chapman Town fan. And I got to experience all of that in the stadium. And a lot of fans didn't. Yeah. Fans, as you know, they're the lifeblood of football. Um, so it was a gen genuinely a real a real shame that they couldn't experience that season because that would have just made it a hundred times better. But um when we got to see the fans out on the gate uh, of the car park when Chatham got promoted, um definitely violating COVID restrictions in so many ways. But it was just amazing like who cares you know not not (laughs) Who irresponsible they just got promoted we'd had a rough time we'd all had a rough time it was you know the middle of 2021 you know it'd been it'd been over a year of this and they finally got to experience that sort of sheer joy with the players that they just got promoted to league one where they still are to this day and have just secured survival so amazing that that i got to experience that in the stadium i was so so lucky and you know that opportunity wouldn't have happened without uni um so yeah go to uni yeah, <laughs> if you can go, go to uni just do it it's amazing it's it's uh, one unbelievable three years of your life you get to um you know adjusting into adult life and living by yourself and also getting to live out your dream it's just brilliant as
3: still... someone i oh, was uh-huh. gonna say as someone who will be doing a place for next year i was just wanting to know sort of how important you think that was in your career today because obviously you mentioned there the the opportunity but Just, I assume, being able to learn and sort of get your hands dirty by doing ultimately what you want to do in your career. How important do you think that was for you?
1: I wouldn't have my current job without it, for sure. Um, Because, you know, what full-time jobs are looking for are, you know, it's a very populated industry. A lot of people are leaving uni and wanting to get jobs, right? So if you can, you know, if your CV can say, i've had a year doing a placement i've worked live sport i know how covering live sport works um if you can say that at the age of 20 21 or whatever age you are when you finish uni it can vary um then like amazing you you put yourself at the front of the queue and you give yourself so many more opportunities so yeah absolutely so say yes to any opportunity that you get you get even if it's like i did i did a netball commentary once (laughs) i know how did that go i know nothing about netball absolutely nothing about netball i knew nothing about netball about 12 hours before i commentated on the netball game um but i made a good go of it because it was an opportunity i'd never done commentary before and then from there i started doing commentary at chester which is the club i support so um that was absolutely amazing that i got the opportunity to do that and it kind of introduced me to you know how a lit might works and how to fill dead air and you know to do stuff like that so You know, it was netball and I know nothing about netball, but yeah, it taught me two valuable skills that led to me doing a year, not a year, it was was, was actually about five games in total, but they were spread over a year um, (laughs) at Chester. And, you know, without that netball experience, I'd have gone into my first game at Chester and been absolutely clueless and been absolutely horrible. So... Yeah, it's 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 such a valuable experience to be able to say yes to all these opportunities.
2: Me and Dan know exactly how to fill Dead Space, don't we, Dan, after our commentary yesterday. We certainly do. <laughs> ask, ask anyone in Blythe and they'll tell you. Nas- <laughs> National, National <League> North <laughs> no, we would have we would have talked of of New Zealand and Brazil at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, John. Is is commentary something you'd like to do again in your career? Or have you found the thing that you've or do you prefer this to that and you just want to stick with this for your career now?
1: I wasn't born for it um uh <laughs> definitely wasn't born for it but um yeah if, if the opportunity came up absolutely definitely um if
0: it's netball as well <laughs>
1: uh yeah I think I'll probably leave that um yeah no respect to netball netball's great um I re- actually really enjoyed the game that we did um but yeah no it's it's not my calling there's people that are far more experienced uh in netball commentary than I am would you believe um so yeah I'll I'll, I'll leave that to the experts but honestly um these sort of opportunities in this is part of the reason that I was able to get the snooker role actually was because I was able to talk about sports that perhaps you know, I was able to adjust and learn quickly about new sports and um to be completely honest with you, I knew next to nothing about snooker going into this job it was my first full-time role and I took it because um amazing you know company amazing organization great sports I've come to learn amazing opportunity to travel um but I knew next nothing about the sport when I got when I got the job, um, but thanks to being able to cover sports like netball and basketball and other sports, and actually for uni I learned about cricket a lot and I love cricket now. Um, but I knew nothing about it going into uni because I've been able to do that and cover all these uh, sports at uni. I was able to to learn about snooker and and make a good make a good kind of two years of living out of it, which is which is great um i think it's so important to not just have a niche to have a niche but also to be very versatile and keep your mind open to other opportunities you know don't shut the door on stuff just because i, I say that as i've just shut the door on potentially doing netball commentary for the rest of my life but <laughs> for, for <laughs> the most part don't shut the door on things you know because unless it's netball yeah unless it's, unless it's netball <laughs> no we were, we we're getting very close to disrespecting netball here netball is fine um but no um no yeah like just don't you know keep keep definitely keep an open mind about stuff about stuff because you never know when the next opportunities around the corner and i'm so glad that i took the snooker one despite knowing nothing about it um it's been 18 amazing months of my life and i've been very privileged to be able to do this
0: if there was one like i get i guess kind of media or journalism capacity job that you could go that you could go into in the world what would you pick do you reckon
1: uh I, I mean i'd love to the dream is always to do social media for a premier league club or videography for a premier league club um yeah. that's you know it's, it's always been the aim it's always been the dream hopefully it's achievable um it remains the aim it remains the dream um that or formula one uh one of the two um would be just an amazing experience to do and also just being able to travel you know um to experience new cultures and new countries and new people and um to meet amazing people along the way um I love traveling and I love geography and stuff like that. It's really nerdy stuff, but I love it. I love being able to. I'd never been to Turkey before, but I probably would never go to Turkey if it wasn't for snooker. Um, And I absolutely loved every second of it. You know, it's, it's stuff like that, valuable experiences that you get. And you know, it's not the be all and end all. If you know, it doesn't need to be something that you do. You know, traveling doesn't have to be a requirement of these things. But part of the reason the snooker job was so appealing to me was the opportunity to be able to get out and travel and um you know i've met some amazing people because of it
0: yeah of course um have you been where have where have you actually traveled to uh including snooker uh
1: wolverhampton (laughs)
3: um what a place
1: what a place um landedlander was lovely it's definitely not how it's pronounced but it was absolutely wonderful where is that it's it's on the north Wales coast um right right near anglesey it's i think it's near anglesey um it's that way anyway um yeah brilliant but lovely place um um, in terms of outside of the UK, um, been able to go to to Antalya in the south of Turkey, um, to Berlin a couple of times for the German Masters, to Furt, which is also in Germany. Um, the tour normally goes to China because of COVID. It's not going to China until next season. Um, but I've just been able to get out and go to all these different countries and new places has been amazing. And uh you no, know, it can be it can be tough being away from home for a long time, but. You really gotta make the most of the experience. Um even being here, you know, in in, in Sheffield for the worlds, you know, making the most of the experience and uh just enjoying having the opportunity to to meet new people and to you know experience a, a new city that up until the world's last year I'd never been to before. So I think it's great.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um don't know about you boys, but I've actually learnt quite a lot on this.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, usually uh on our podcast we've finish up really with a question we ask all our guests and um this is the sporting backbone podcast so we're looking at the people behind the scenes um alex other than the job you're doing in in media what would you say is the most underrated or underappreciated job within sport any
3: sport maybe through your experience we'll say it that way
1: um underrated as in like as in like underappreciated or underrated as in like This job's great. You should do it. Underappreciated. Underappreciated. Um, it's really tough. The table fitters and snooker get a lot of flack. <laughs> but they work. They work for hours. On, they work until like four o'clock in the morning to get table set up in snooker so it's definitely genuinely definitely up there in terms of media that, that is not media so that's just not the question at all but no
0: other other than
1: media other than media, doesn't, doesn't oh, other the the media. media. So, yeah, yeah. right so i a really I've,
0: admirable answer i think
1: i've <laughs> unintentionally answered the question um <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah i'll give it to the table first you know they, they they um they're under a lot of pressure because you know if absolutely anything goes wrong with the table um, they have to you know they, they get scrutiny for it but they they work so hard and they work re- like just stupid ridiculous hours to get tables sorted for morning sessions and stuff and you know sometimes you get protesters running and throw orange powder all over the cloth and they've got to deal with it sometimes that happens <laughs> not very often okay. sometimes yeah. um and they're, they they work hard so i'll give it to the table fitters i think they do they, they they do a great job and they don't get the credit they deserve but just everyone at the snooker you know because i think it can be so hard like you know i do it as a fan on my football club. I'm lucky to be fair for, for Jester because I do know the people behind the scenes from my time there. But if I didn't, and there's a lot of fans that don't, you know, sometimes the manager will come under criticism and the players will come under criticism. You know, we, we're not behind the scenes. We don't know how hard these guys work. And they do it all with us in mind, you know, they do it all with the fans in mind. So I think when anybody says something on social media, has a criticism to make, I think they need to keep in mind that, that we're all we're all human, and uh, we're all working towards the same goal. So I think um, I'll end with a very wholesome answer, and I say that to quote um, the amazing film High School Musical: "We are all in oh, no. you know? <laughs> And I'm editing should, that out. We should, should respect <laughs> that. So um, no, no, seriously, on a on a, on a serious note, um, we are we're all working towards the same collective goal. So I think just give everybody more credit because you don't know how hard people work. Thanks, Alex.